Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. And for more information, you can visit us at gobethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. It's great to be in the house of the Lord tonight, and surely He's here. Surely He's here. And uh, we entertain Him, we praise Him, we thank Him for His faithfulness and His goodness. And I'm just glad to be in church with you good folks tonight. Happy birthday to Sister Valerie and to Pastor Hill. We appreciate him, a friend, anointed man of God, who's doing a great work here. And we give him and his family honor for what uh, they're doing. Nobody quite like him. He's very, very unique, as you well know, but uh, love Brother Hill. I think you ought to give your pastor and family a hand of appreciation. Thank God. That's right. That's right. get right into the word of the Lord, the gospel of Mark chapter 5. Again, I count it an honor to stand before you, and I I pray that God would speak a word of of strength, of encouragement. Before I read, I simply want you to know this, that uh, Jesus loves you, he's for you, he's not against you, he wants you to make it, and he's going to help you make it, and uh, it doesn't matter what's against you. God be for you, and uh, I can just remove that if and tell you God is for you. We understand that strongly from the scripture, that he is for us. Mark chapter 5, thank you singers, musicians, and all of you that led service tonight, and I I don't want to hold you long, I know it is Wednesday night, but perhaps uh, a word of encouragement to you. Mark chapter 5, verse 35, while he yet spake... There came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and they that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And we'll understand that the crowd laughed him to scorn. He said, He's, She's dead. What do you mean she's sleeping? And I want to use this setting of scripture to preach a few minutes tonight on this thought, the messenger of discouragement. The messenger of discouragement. You probably all have met the messenger of discouragement at some point. Maybe even as you made your way to church tonight. But guess what? We're here and we're going to worship the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this people. I thank you for this congregation. I pray you would bless each one, let your spirit fill our hearts and our lives, and help us to hear what you would speak to us in the next few minutes. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Let's thank him. Let's thank him and bless his name. When you read in the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, at the beginning, uh, the Bible shares the great story of the man with the unclean spirit who is delivered. And then Jesus got on a ship and he came 
back over to the other side. And as he did so, when he landed, there was a man there waiting on him by the name of Jairus. Jairus Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue and he had a great terrible situation and that was his daughter. His 12 year old daughter was at the point of death. So Jairus was very excited because as soon as Jesus gets off the ship he grabs the hand of Jesus and says hey I need you to go with me. My daughter is grievously sick and it's a point of death. And Jesus is going with him, him. Jesus is going with Jairus to his house. And on the way something happened. Something that would cause great excitement in one, but yet concern in another. And that is, there was a great crowd that thronged about Jesus. And in this crowd, there was a woman who had an issue of blood. A blood issue for 12 years. And the Bible tells us that she pushed through the crowd. And many of you remember that story. The woman who pushed through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment, and was immediately healed. Virtue came out of Jesus and Jesus stopped. And that stopping is the point that Jairus would be upset about. Because this woman who is an an elderly woman who's had this problem for a long time stops the procession to a possible miracle for Jairus. Even though she receives her miracle, Jesus begins to talk to the woman. Who is it that touched me? Who is it? And she came forth and she began to tell Jesus the whole story and how that she had this situation, pushed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible tells us that as she did so again, she was healed. She was healed. And Jesus said to her, now I want you to remember there's two stories going on here. This woman touched the hem of his garment and there's a lot of rejoicing in her, no doubt in her family and friends because she's healed. However, On the other side of the equation is Jairus who is standing there solemnly, forlornly, waiting, waiting. And as he's standing, waiting in the presence of Jesus, Jesus speaks to that woman that touched him. And he says to her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And that's wonderful, is it not? But remember, Jairus is standing here. While he yet spake, while Jesus spoke to that woman, when he speaks to that woman, Behold and go go thy way, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a messenger would say, Your daughter is dead. So imagine the juxtaposition of, of joy and pain. As a woman is rejoicing because she's healed. However, Jairus is standing here thinking, this is not fair. It's not fair because I got to Jesus first. As soon as he got off the ship, I was there waiting. And and I had him. And I, I had him going to my house. But now because of the delay, my daughter is dead. And the messenger again spoke the word. The messenger said, you're Daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any further? In other words, leave Jesus alone because your daughter is dead. Understand again the throng, the big crowd that was there. That tells me that the messenger who came had to come through through the crowd against the flow of the crowd. 
because the crowd was headed to Jairus' house. Stopped, and this man comes, and he pushes his way through to get the attention of Jairus to speak into his ear and to say, your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. A messenger of discouragement is able to make its way through even a strong crowd. The messenger of discouragement made his way through the crowd to speak the words of depression, to speak the words of doubt and fear. Your daughter is dead and don't bother Jesus anymore. While Jesus is speaking life to one person, a messenger speaks death to another. But what's amazing to me about that is this. Jesus heard the messenger. When, while he's speaking to this woman, he hears the voice of the messenger of discouragement. He hears the word that comes that says, your daughter is dead. So healing is flowing on his right hand. And depression is on the left hand. But he hears the voice of the messenger speaking death. Discouragement finds a way. And discouragement is real. And we've all dealt with it at some point. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, you're, you're either facing it now, about to face it, or just coming out of it. But discouragement has a way of affecting all of us. You, somebody may have went to bed depressed last night. Somebody might have been discouraged throughout the day today. But I want you to know there is an answer in the house on a Wednesday night in Bethesda. There's a Savior that hears the depression that's coming to you. And it hears the word of discouragement. And He's not going to give up on you. Discouragement. What is discouragement? We all know what it is. But literally it is when our courage is taken away. When courage is taken away and is re replaced with an unknown, less desired feeling. Discouragement can cause fear, anxiety, confusion, and sadness. It's the opposite of feeling inspired and encouraged. And all of us deal with discouragement at some point, one form or another, throughout our lives. Discouragement covers a broad range of, of concepts. The verb to discourage means to deprive of confidence, hope, or spirit, to dishearten, to daunt, to afflict, beat down, demoralize, depress, dismay, distress, frighten, intimidate, and irk. Come on. That's what it does. That's what discouragement does. And that's what discouragement speaks to us. And a lie, hear this, a lie from Satan. A lie from Satan is the source of every discouragement. Fear, unbelief, self-pity, self-condemnation are all byproducts of Satan's lies. And he will speak to you. And he will tell you, you might as well give up. And you might as well give in. And you might as well quit trying. Satan is the adversary, and he is adversarial. And the way he attacks you is not physically, but he attacks you through your mind. He speaks to your mind. He speaks to you, and he says things and discourages and tries to get you to think things. He tries to create doubt 
in you. There, there's an interesting setting in the book of Nehemiah. And I want to read just a few verses here in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, beginning at verse 1. And uh, the Bible tells us here that Nehemiah is going back to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed in Jerusalem. He goes back to just rubbish. There's hardly anything left. It's just destroyed. But he comes back with a vision to rebuild, rebuild the walls. So as he does so, listen to this. It came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth. Sounds like the devil, doesn't it? Took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, listen to this, what will these, what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? This is a messenger of discouragement. Will they be able to do that? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. We've got double trouble now. And he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. A fox could just run through it like cardboard boxes, just this wall that they're building. These feeble Jews, what they're trying to do, they can't succeed. They are weak. It's just a bunch of rubbish. Can't do anything. But he said, Nehemiah said, Hear, O our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head. He's kind of ticked or irked, I should say. Give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So he says, just take care of them, God. They're trying to discourage us. They tell us our wall is feeble. They tell us we can't succeed. But here, what, notice what they did. The Bible says in the next verse, verse 6, look at this. So built we the wall. You hear, after all of that, he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to build the wall anyway. We're just going to build the wall anyway. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. They said, we don't care what the messenger of discouragement says. We don't care what the devil says. We've got a job to do. We're going to build the wall. We're going to build the house of God. We're going to have revival. We're going to have and, and see the blessings of God upon our family and our congregation. We are not going to let the messenger of discouragement tear us down. You can't give in to that voice that says, no, 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 you can't, you can't, you won't, you're not able to, just build anyway. Just keep on, hear me now, come on, just keep on worshiping anyway. And keep on praying anyway. Keep on giving anyway. Keep on being faithful anyway. It doesn't matter what he says, because if God be for you, who can be against you? Come on, church, it's time to just... Keep on building it anyway. Amen. So one thing the messenger does right there creates doubt. Can't, can't, can't. Let me tell you another thing the enemy tries to do. Tries to create fear. Doubt and fear, right? Doubt and fear. Well, there, there's a, an interesting story which many of you have heard, no doubt, about fear. It has to do with Elijah. Elijah, the prophet... First, I want you to notice this great exploit, all right? 
he is going against hundreds of prophets of Baal. They have this contest. He says, how long halt you between two opinions? We need to quit worshiping Baal some and then worshiping Jehovah some. Let's settle this. So Elijah stands out by himself against some, I think, 750 prophets of Baal. A false god, Baal. And, And he says, let's have this contest. Whichever God answers by fire, let him be God. All right, sounds good. Let's do it. All right, you go first. Elijah steps to the side, and they're over here doing their thing. Build the altar, get it all ready. They start calling on Baal. Baal, 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 Baal. Baal, 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 Baal. Oh, they're crying. Excuse me, but it doesn't ring a bell. It does not get his attention. That's where my kids say, shut up, Dad, these dad jokes. Doesn't ring a bell. Oh, bell, oh, bell, oh, bell to no avail. Nothing happens. So you know what they do? They jump up on the altar and start cutting themselves and bleeding all all of the altar. Oh, please, 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 please help us, bell, please. Nothing happens. And they're all tired and exhausted. And Elijah says, okay, just step aside. He said, said, this is too easy. Just step aside. Matter of fact, this this is a little dry. It might be easy to start a fire. Let's get some water and pour all over it. So he gets barrels of water and tells him, pour it all over the altar and all over the sacrifice after he rebuilt it. And he said, now pour it all over. And he said, do it again. Second time, pour more water. That's not it. Pour it the third time, more water. And he steps back. Check this out. He's not cutting himself. He's not screaming and hollering. He just steps back and he says, Dear Lord, that they may know that you are the God of Israel. Would you please answer by fire? He just prays that prayer and fire comes down from heaven, destroys the entire altar, burns it, licks up all of the dirt and all the water that's been poured all around it. It was just an amazing, phenomenal thing. And the the prophets of Baal step back and says, that must really be God. Not Baal. This must be God. You would think, would you not? If you just accomplished that, you'd be on top of the world. Man, did that be the time to say, Lucifer, where is he? Bring him here. Bring him here. Look at him, look at me in the eye. Let me look at him, look at him, tell him something. You would think you'd have enough encouragement and power. But you go from that to the very next chapter. Listen to this. This is chapter 1, 1 Kings 19, I'm sorry, 1 through 4. Listen to this. This is right after what I just told you. And Ahab told Jezebel, uh uh-oh, all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a, you got it, messenger. Sends a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. The messenger said, Jezebel is going to kill you. One woman. I know you women are powerful, I understand. 
750 prophets of Baal, these big burly men. Elijah's like, no big deal. But, but here's a one woman after him, and he goes, oh, my goodness. One woman's after him, and he thinks, she's going to kill me. How in the world do you not have confidence from what just happened? That's the way we are sometimes. We'll shout on a Sunday night or a Sunday. Now, it used to be Sunday night. We shout on a Sunday. We'll pout on a Monday. We'll doubt on a Tuesday. And by Wednesday, we're without. Man, he did all this. And this woman is threatening. She said, I'm going to have you killed tomorrow, this time. And when he, he saw that, he arose, listen to what he did, and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat under a juniper tree, and he requested, nicely, he requested for himself that he might die. He said, I would sure like to die under this tree. What in the world? I would like to die. And he said, it is enough. Oh, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he was so discouraged to the point of depression, to the point of wanting to die. After he just defeated 750 prophets of Baal. Let me tell you something. You may have that 750 experience, but be careful that one. Be careful that one. That discouragement will come. It will come. The messenger of discouragement has a way of getting to you. And creating doubt and fear. But I'm glad the Lord spoke to him. In the midst of that situation. When he was at the point of death. The messenger of discouragement never stops speaking. Taunting. Breeding fear. Discouraging. He is the accuser of the brethren. Constantly. Nag, nag, nag. That's what the devil does. Over and over and over to the point where if you'll listen, you'll become discouraged. And you won't be able to hear the voice of God. All you can hear is the nagging of the devil. The discouragement. He never stops speaking. Taunting. Breeding fear. Discouraging. Again, the accuser of the brethren. He accuses you. He'll condemn you. He'll say, don't you remember what you did? Don't you? Now, Now, you've already asked God to forgive you, right? But you know what the devil will do? He'll bring condemnation. He said, hey, don't you remember what you did last week, last year, ten years ago, five years ago, maybe last night, maybe this morning? Yeah, but I prayed. Let me tell you, when you prayed and asked God to forgive you, he forgave you. You, you, you have to understand, it doesn't matter how you feel. You might say, I don't feel forgiven. It's nothing about how you feel. It's a fact based upon the word of God. When you repent, he cleanses you. He forgives you. That's why our young people have to understand, when you make a mistake, not if you, when you. Well, I've got great, I got, I got news here. I'm going to be as transparent with you as I can. I'm going to tell you. I received the Holy Ghost when I was 13. That's been at least five years ago. And when I received the Holy Ghost, since I received the Holy Ghost, I failed God. I've sinned. Now, this is what we like to say. I stubbed my toe. I made a mistake. The devil made me do it. I messed up. No, you sinned. Stop just trying to paint it. Just say what it is. But if you will say to God, 
God, I am sorry. Would you please forgive me? The accuser of the brethren will remind you and condemn you. But thanks be unto God that the blood of the Lamb is still flowing and it's more powerful. Thank God when you make a mistake, when you sin... Come back to the house of God. Make your way back into the house of God and call out to God because he is faithful to hear you and he's faithful to forgive you and he's faithful to cleanse you of all iniquity. It is a lie of the devil to our young people. And I've seen so many of them just walk out and make a mistake. Now let me tell you this. There has to be a place that they're welcome to come back to. Please let Bethesda be a place where fallen, broken people who have failed God can come back through that door without you condemning them and you looking down on them. Love them. Pick them up. Embrace them. Don't, they don't have to be reminded of where they've been. They know where they've been. They're the ones living where they are. Well, that's deep in it. Everywhere I go, there I am. You don't have to tell me. I know. Been there. Live it. I understand. But let there be a place where the mercy of God. That's what it means, isn't it? But that's a house of mercy. Am I right? Be that. I said be that. Come on, look at somebody and tell them we're the house of mercy. Tell them we are the house of mercy. That accuser. That's what my, my son, he, sometimes he'll talk to me, and he gets tired of hearing me talk, and this is what he'll say. He'll go, and I'll say, in other words, what I'm saying is not making much sense, I guess. I guess that's the interpretation thereof. But the accuser, he'll keep speaking, keep speaking, keep speaking, keep speaking. Never shuts up. Keep speaking, keep speaking. But let me tell you something. He's not the only one that keeps speaking. <laughs> he keeps speaking. He keeps speaking. Through it all, through all that discouragement, he keeps speaking. Remember, while he's speaking to this woman, he hears that voice. You know what he says when he hears that voice? I'm about dumb. Just, get, just listen to me just for a few more minutes, okay? When he hears that voice, when he hears that voice of discouragement about uh, to Jairus, your daughter's dead, your daughter's dead, give up, give up, quit bothering Jesus, give up. That's what he says, give up, quit bothering Jesus. You know what Jesus says? I, I, can, I can imagine Jairus is standing there holding Jesus' hand, but when he stops and, 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 and he's so excited until they stop and then that woman gets healed, yeah, whatever, good for you, but what about my daughter? And maybe he's about to relinquish his hold on Jesus' hand. But I can feel Jesus. Nope. And he squeezes his hand. Hey, Jairus. Let's go to your house. You heard the messenger. She's dead. You heard the messenger. She's dead. Jesus said, let's go to your house. Jesus comes to the house. He just lets Peter, James, and John come with him. And he walks, and we, when he walks in, he says, hey, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And all those people that have been mourning, they begin to laugh him to scorn. <laughs> what in the world? You crazy lunatic. What do you mean? We know she's dead. We've checked the vitals. We've checked. There's no breath, no heartbeat, no, no pulse, nothing. She's dead. D-E-A-D, dead. Dead. 
Jesus said, she just leave. Y'all get out of here. All of you that don't believe, just get on out of here. Anyone else, he walks over to that girl. Takes her by the hand. And he says, arise. You know what she did? She arose. Arise. And she gets up. And she looks around. You know what else? You know what the next thing Jesus said to do? You need to know this. You know, Pentecostal need to know this. You know what he did? Jesus did? He commanded them to feed her. Come on. After the miracle, it's time to go eat. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that's what we do. We're good at that. We're good at enjoying miracles and then some fried chicken or something. Come on, that's what we do. He said, feed her. Arise. And can you imagine? Can you imagine the excitement of Jairus? Who's like, oh, my God. I thought, I thought the messenger said she's dead. The messenger said to give up. But Jesus said, no. I can take care of this. We must make sure we listen to his voice more than we listen to the voice of discouragement. His voice says you can. His voice says you will. His voice says I am with you. Listen to his voice. And let me tell you, you might say, well, I don't hear it. It's because you're tuned into all the other frequencies. Sometimes you've got to shut off the social media. And sometimes you've got to shut off the radio got to listen. It's not that he's not speaking. The problem is we're just on the wrong frequency. We can't hear because we hear all these other voices. But if I could somehow hear the voice of God, he says, live. He says, in my favor is life. He says, you're going to make it. Oh, people in, there might be people in your family that says, it's crazy that you go to that church. It's crazy that you do that and raise your hands and clap your hands and, and people do what they do in that church. It's crazy. Why would you be a part of that? It's because we hear the voice of encouragement that says, I'm going to make it. God is for me. God's going to help me. God is with me. God loves me. God's going to help me. I'm going to make it in Jesus' name. I am going to make it. The last thing I want to share with you is this. The Bible, again, the devil speaks continuously, as I said. God does too. But I want to leave you, leave you with this encouragement from Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Look at this. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan. <laughs> we'll make sure you know who he's talking about, right? The dragon, the old serpent, the devil, Satan. Bound him a thousand years, cast him in the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. Now listen to this. You think the devil's so bad with his mouth. The Lord used one angel. And listen, it's not Gabriel and it's not Michael. It is an anonymous angel. We don't know his name. Matter of fact, I kind of think of it this way. When God's getting ready, I need to send an angel down there to take care of old Lucifer. Michael and Gabriel, yes, we're ready. And God says, ah. Looks through all that crown of, crowd of millions upon trillions of angels. Hey, who's that way back there on the back row? 
That, that, that little scrawny one way back there. <laughs> you come here. Me? Yeah, you. He gets an anonymous angel. One. He doesn't send a million angels. He doesn't send a legion of angels. He gets one angel. You remember Lucifer, don't you? Oh, yeah, I remember him. He's the one that tried to put his throne above yours here. And I remember when you got took care of him, you took care of him like, like lightning. You just got rid of him like that. I remember. And the angel's thinking, he's not as bad as he thinks he is. He said, okay, I want you to go down there, and I want you to bind him. Take a chain and bind him. And let me tell you, now th this is just, probably has nothing to do with what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Bible says he cast him in the bottomless pit, and he shut him up. I know he sealed him and shut him up. But I like to think also, he shut him up. I, I can see that little angel taking that chain and wrapping it all the way around Lucifer's mouth. Satan's mouth. Shut up! It's time for you to shut up. I know we don't, I know we don't say that in polite company. I'm just, you understand, help me here. But I'm, I can say it to the devil. Is that all right? Shut up, devil. I am tired of listening to you over and over and over, ad nauseum, you make me sick. I'm tired of you telling me that I can't make it, I can't serve God, I'm going to go to hell, and you, God won't forgive me. I'm sick and tired of you saying I can't be healed, I can't have joy, I can't have revival in my family, my children can't be saved. I'm sick and tired of hearing the devil and what he has to say. He is a messenger of discouragement. It's time to shut him up. And he shut him up. Now let me tell you, if one angel can shut the voice of the enemy, what do you think you can do? You who have been born again by the blood of the Lamb, taken on the name of Jesus, you are a saint of the Most High God. His name is upon you. His Spirit is in you. The blood is with you. The Word is here. You can shut the voice of the enemy with your praise. Matter of fact, some of you are doing it right now. She's doing it right now. He's doing it right now. You're shutting the mouth of the enemy with your praise. Satan, I refuse to listen to you. Shut up. I've got victory. I've got joy. I'm going to make it. My family's going to make it. We're going to make it in Jesus' name. My children will be saved. My marriage is going to make it. We're going to make it. And we're going to have revival in our church. We're not going to listen to the voice of the enemy. We will have revival. We are having revival. Someone prayed through Sunday night. Someone baptized Sunday or Sunday morning or Sunday, whatever it was, Sunday Thank God, whenever you come together, you can have revival. Whenever you come together, don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Shut him up. And the best way to silence the enemy is by exalting your God. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Daigle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.